This is Grant Taff. I was called coach for most of my life, but I always thought of myself as a teacher. My prayer is that you will learn something here that inspires you to be a positive influence at work, at home, and in your community. May God bless each of you as you listen. Coach Grant Taff is a college football legend. After a 54-year coaching career that culminated with his historic tenure at Baylor University, Coach Taff served as the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association for two decades. He is known as a master motivator, speaker, and as a best-selling author. He is a member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame and was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2001. He's also my dad. This podcast is an archive of his legacy, but also offers some fresh insights and conversations that we hope you enjoy. I'm Lane Pittman, and this is Grant Taft Beyond the Game, presented by the National Child ID Program. I'm sure a lot of Baylor fans were very excited after that first year, win five games. Then the next year, you probably had a lot of young players, your new recruits, you struggled a little bit, but probably implementing, you know, your system. Uh, so let's talk about that 1973 Three. season and just, you know, how you kind of persevered through that and helped the players keep believing. Yeah, that that was a, a, a real challenge in the sense that uh, we had uh, come in, put in, you know, our offensive, defensive philosophy, and we would recruited good good players we didn't break into the blue chip circle uh you know like uh, texas and a&m were getting but uh with our philosophy we recruited young men that number one had an upside athletically in other words they were going to improve whatever position they played they were good solid sound athletes but they had not reached their potential in high school. And first year, we surprised people. Uh, Second year, we didn't surprise anybody. And so that sort of leveled off to where we were talent-wise. We were not where uh, others were as far as the overall talent. Before I came to Baylor, and this is a little-known fact, that there were a lot of players that were recruited that were not capable of winning on the Southwest Conference level. There was uh, some talent there, but there was not enough to win a championship with. So uh, we had to change the facility uh, environment, which was very negative, to try to get something positive. So we got AstroTurf and put some, uh, you know, built up a few things. I remember one of the questions I had after I got here from one of the media, and it's sort of a famous retort now, uh, asked me, said, well, I guess you're going to paint everything, Coach, because previous coach, Bill Bill, had come in, and that's what he did. He painted everything, Gringo. And so I didn't know that. And uh, so this sports writer said, I guess you're going to paint everything now, Coach. And I looked at him, and in this press conference, I said, 
Oh, no. I said, uh, paint is only skin thick. Uh, the problems at Baylor go much deeper than that. So we're not going to worry about paint anything. It's a great answer, you know. But, you know, one of the things that we that we knew we could do is that if we used our criteria to recruit, in other words, I've already mentioned one, and that is individuals with an upside athletically. Then you add the others. Number one, they had to be able to graduate so and keep their eligibility. So what is it that it takes to graduate at Baylor University? Well, you have to be academically capable of graduating. You can't bring in people that aren't academically capable of graduating from Baylor University. And we did not do that. We had a high, high graduation rate because we brought in youngsters that, number one, wanted an education. Number two, had a high potential of graduation because they possessed these characteristics. They possessed character. They possessed a, a positive attitude about being coached, about doing the things that the coaches tell you to do. If the coach tells you you're in every class, that means you're going to go to every class. You're not going to miss one. And we found that if and believed that if players went to every class, we told them, get on the front row, listen to that teacher. Don't be fumbling and messing around in your, in your notebook. Don't be daydreaming. That was before cell phones, so they couldn't be looking at cell phones. And, and look up and look that teacher in the eye, listen to what they're saying, and actually take notes, and you'll be surprised what you'll be able to do when the test time comes. So it, it, it was a positive approach, plus the, the techniques by which you can succeed. And the same thing's true on a football field. That was classroom and the behavioral pattern of taking care of your situation, not getting into trouble. And the uh, same thing then is true on the athletic field. Whatever position you play, there's certain techniques that you must master. Uh, those techniques are different from an offensive tackle and, and a quarterback on offense or a defensive cornerback. All of those are different positions. They take a different skill set uh, to play to the maximum. So that's what we tried to concentrate on, is focusing on the skill set that each individual had to develop to play the specific uh, position we had given them. I think the, the first season uh, was a matter of uh, the players uh, moving from uh, whatever philosophy they had been playing in if they were here or uh, as freshmen coming in, uh, adjusting to and accepting uh, our, uh, as a coaching staff's philosophy, offense, defense, kicking game, all of those particular things. And short yardage was big, big, big for us. Um because we, we weren't going to make a lot of long yards, but if we could just think about it, 
if you can make three yards on a play for the first three yards, you're at nine yards. Mm -hmm. So in order to get the 10th yard, that's a one yard play. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you can control that, you have no fear of going for fourth and one mm -hmm. on your own 20 yard line because you have become to believe and then to be able to do what it takes to maintain possession of the ball. And that is to make the fourth and one. Third and one, you'd like to have it, but uh, if, you, if you want to maintain possession, you got to go fourth and one. It may be on your own 20-yard line. And I think we gave a lot of Baylor people a heart attack uh, <laughs> early on. But just to, to revert back to the philosophy of maintaining possession of the football, number one, it's extremely difficult for the opponent to score if they don't have possession of the football. Your odds of scoring have greatly increased if you can maintain possession of the football from an offensive standpoint. So that isn't brain surgery. That is a very simple, basic philosophy, but it works. In order to make it work, you have to have an offense and a defense can uphold what you're trying to do. And, and our offensive philosophy uh, to start out with, to try to get wins on the board, which Baylor hadn't had at that time, and to try to win football games and put us in the race for the championship, which Baylor hadn't been in in many, many years. What we did, and most folks know it now, I'm not giving any way of secrets, but we were in two tight ends with a full backfield, and the quarterback called the plays at the line of scrimmage. Therefore, he was able to see where the weakness of the defense was, call the play toward that. Not any gambling, calling a play and hoping you're going to have the weakness of the defense there, and most of the time you won't, but you guaranteed you're going to go to the weakness of the defense if you call the play at the line of scrimmage. Mm. As I said, it's not brain surgery, but it was something you had to believe in, and uh, you had to have the philosophy and the way of getting to that particular play offensively. Talk about your defensive philosophy in those early years. Well, that's a great question, Lane, because my defensive philosophy was formulated when I was a player in high school. Uh, I played both ways in high school. I was not very big, although I played offensive tackle, and I played uh, defensive linebacker. Uh, I did not have uh, outstanding speed and, and certainly didn't have outstanding size. But what I did have, I had, uh, I think, uh, a, a good football mind. I had a great desire to be successful. Uh, I wanted deeply to please my coaches, my family. Uh, if I was always taught if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability, whatever that is. One of the things that helped me as a, as a player that I realized later, I didn't really realize it at the time, I thought I was just ultimately tough kid, uh, but, I, but I had a high pain threshold. 
And that was just a gift because, you know, uh, I wasn't afraid of, nor did pain bother me. And uh, so I was always known for having uh, uh, no skin on my nose and for having uh, broken it a couple of three, four times uh, playing playing the game of football. And uh, so I got a, a lot of teasing about that, uh, you know, while I was in uh, – High school because I always had to scab on my nose. <laughs> always, <laughs> you can go back and look at all the pictures I ever had made in high school. I always had a scab on my nose, <laughs> and and of course we were using a single bar lane, uh, you know, across the front of the helmet for protection. Didn't have face masks. Just had a clear plastic bar yeah. that was about two and a half inches tall and about a half inch thick, and it was clear plastic, went across the front of our face. Well, when we get into the winter and the temperature changed, every time you'd hit somebody, that, that thing would just shatter. it just <laughs> explode, you know, because it was just pure plastic. And oh, when it got no. cold cold, and you hit somebody, it was it was bad, and that's why my nose looks like it looks, looks down. Did that cause you to uh, be kind of a linebacker-oriented uh, coach? Like, was that what you were looking for with the defense? Was Because obviously you later had Singletary. And, yeah. and what was your defensive thought? You know, uh, wh- who we are uh, eventually comes out in what we do with our lives. And in coaching, it can be very obvious to people uh, what your personality is and what your beliefs are and the way you coach and the kind of teams you put on the field. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very proud that we always put very, very tough football teams on the field. And if they weren't tough, we made them tough. And, uh, you know, scrimmage on the goal line uh, against the number one offense and number one defense. And, uh you take a chance on some injuries, but you also find out who the men are and who the players are. And uh, we we believed in conditioning lane. And uh, uh, my players uh, could never, ever say that they lost a game because the other team had better conditioning. And, um, and, and I think that's uh, what a coach needs to do. It's in preparation of putting – a team on the field to have them ready, not only physically, uh, which would include your best conditioning, you know, that you can get them into so that they can play 60 minutes of a football game. But it also includes their their mindset, their, their obvious comfort with the plays that they're going to be involved in, whether it's on defense, offense, kicking game. All specialty teams, all of those uh, have particular skills that uh, that have to be developed. Uh, a football player cannot go on the football field and just be uh, one phase. Uh, he's got to be multifaceted mm-hmm. in their athletic abilities. So next time we're going to talk about the I Believe season, 74. First championship in 50 years. This is Grant Taft. Thank you for joining us. Now, go make a difference beyond the game.